This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. It was very exciting. I got my, uh, I didn't know if I would or not. You know, you get the uh, the anxious shakes, you know, when you hunt whitetail, right? When a big old bruiser steps out in front of your stand. You, I, I do anyways. I get the oh, shakes. Cause yeah, everybody does, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and... I warned Ian ahead of time. I was like, I might, I might shake. So just be prepared for that. I'm not nervous. I'm just super excited. Right. And, uh, of course, as soon as I see that bear, I'm like shaking the tree stand. He's like laughing at me. It's like, <laughs> so laugh, man. <laughs> but, uh, that was, that was pretty funny. Oh, you got her, dude. She's down. Let's go. Dude, I just shot a deer of a lifetime. Freaking smoked him. One with nature, and if you're a believer, one with God. Definitely gets your heart pumping. Boy, you are in trouble. Fall Obsession Podcast. All right, everybody, welcome back to another Fall Obsession Podcast episode. It's driven by Ridge Rock Hunt Company and our friends over there, and I will talk more about them at the end of the episode. I am Sam with Fall Obsession, your podcast host. If you're a returning listener, welcome back. New listener, welcome to Fall Obsession. We're happy to have you join us this week for the audio or video, however you guys might be tuning in. I'm on here this week with one of our own guys, uh, staffer Tyler Wolf. Welcome, Tyler. Thanks, Sam. Appreciate it. Glad to be here. Yeah, we're, we're happy to have you. I know you've been on here a couple times before. Um, first time being to kind of talk about some of your, your land management stuff you do on your own whitetail property out there in Kansas. And uh, you also were part of that uh, Midwestern crew that went on the Missouri snow goose hunt. We've been talking about that a lot on our podcast and our pages. So if anybody's been following us, I'm sure they've seen something about it. But that's episode 97, 98, if anybody wants to go back and listen to those. But um what we're on here to, today to talk about actually is uh, is a first for you, something that you've probably been anticipating for a while, and that was uh, your first bear hunt. So, yeah. Um, really looking forward to diving in and, and hearing about it, and I think a great way to, to kick it off would be um, just to give 
you the opportunity to kind of share how this opportunity came about, where you went and how it all came together. No, yeah. And that's actually probably the best part of this story is how this came about. Perfect. Um, you know, I don't know if uh, this is similar amongst hunters, but, you know, when you start out hunting, there's a, a few game animals uh, that are prevalent in your area. And you always look at the ones that aren't and you say, well, that's that's just not something I'm going to be able to do. Right. right. Um, uh, but, you know, that's slowly changed over the years. And this particular hunt, black bear, was, was again, one of those ones I didn't think I could do. But I was my wife and I were on vacation down in Mexico. And uh, first night in, we uh, just checked our bags and, and saddled up to the bar and sat down next to a gentleman and his soon-to-be wife, uh, Ian and Megan. And uh, Ian and I hit it off right off the bat, started talking about uh, hunting. You know, he's a hunter from, uh, you know, middle of Alberta, north northern northern half of it, I would say, and uh, just kept in touch over the years. And, you know, just recently he's like, hey, you want to come up and, uh, and hunt a black bear? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I do, I do. Yeah. And, uh, and so we kind of started out making arrangements with the black bear and then at the back of our minds uh figuring out how to get him down here to kansas get him a, a big old bruiser whitetail kansas whitetail so awesome uh, that's our plan that's how it came about it's kind of weird very cool so th this was this was several years in the making is that what i'm picking up on well um we'd, we'd stayed in touch and not necessarily this particular hunt was in in the making but um uh, it's something we'd always talked about thought about doing and uh, just I think it was early part of this year, uh, maybe no, maybe last year. I forget uh, the details specifically, but he just sent me a couple of trophy photos that he had nailed uh, that yeah that season and said, "Hey, you want to come up here and do a black bear in the spring?" And I'm like, "Yeah, let's do that." <laughs> awesome. So, so for for anybody that might be tuning in and is curious on um, the ability to acquire a, a tag or go on a hunt like this, what was what was the process for? getting licensed and everything to be able to do this? Yeah, that's a great question. And that was actually a lot easier than I anticipated. Um, you know, Kansas in particular, real picky about their non-resident uh, tags. You know, whitetail, for example, if you want to get a non-resident tag in Kansas, you got to enter into a draw system and it's going to cost you over 500 bucks by the time it's all done. Um, in this particular situation, Alberta, they, they had this program called Hunter Host where a, a resident can sign up to be a hunter host, which is a separate license, minimal fee. And then the actual hunter comes in and under that hunter host's guidance, I would say, they get to be able to purchase a bear tag. And it comes with two tags, you know, uh, typically, and you get your, your archery license um, and your wind certificate and you're good to go. So it's actually, <laughs> I thought it'd be a lot more difficult, honestly. So that yeah. was actually pretty simple. No, that, that's, that's awesome for sure. So, so first bear hunt, what kind of, what kind of expectations or anticipations did you have going into it? <laughs> I had a little bit cause you know, Ian had shared some information with me uh, over text and, you know, showed me pictures of him setting up the bait site and uh, the stand and whatnot. Um, and I did some research of the area, but it's, it's, it's open country up there. Um, you know, just it's big right you know i thought i thought kansas was big but you know alberta is obviously tons bigger in terms of like the amount of space you have uh, available to you right so i didn't i didn't know too much and i didn't anticipate too much and uh just really kind of relied on on ian to guide me through it and he did a, he did a, an amazing job really 
you know, gave me a nice tour of the area, which is what I love, you know, kind of soaking in the environment and the differences between, you know, where they live and where I live. And he just kind of, he just took me under his wing and, and uh, showed me everything from, from a Ukrainian, Ukrainian dance uh, festival and uh, <laughs> to uh, uh, breakfast with the, uh, with the family. So it was, it was, uh, it was, a uh, it was interesting and very, very fun. Awesome. So let's, uh, let's take it into the, to the hunt, I guess. Um, okay. how many days were, were you up there in total? First off, I flew in, um, on a Friday and I flew back on a Thursday. So, um, you know, it's, it's not easy to get up into Edmonton from where I'm at. So it was a, a fairly all day, all day of travel there and all day traveled back. So of the seven total days, five were there on site. Gotcha. Uh, not necessarily hunting every day, but, uh, yeah. Okay. Five days total. So, so where did it all begin once you arrived? <laughs> so day one, do some prep, um, some more baiting. Those bears obviously go through a lot of food and uh, the baiting process is a, a particular concoction that I think is probably specific to that region, I would guess, probably. Um, you know, it's got popcorn, it's got dog food, it's got restaurant grease, it's got dead fish, it's got a lot of beaver, you know, <laughs> <laughs> just a concoction. And as you can imagine, that's a, that's a lot of weight. So he was glad to have me there as an extra hand to clear that in and, and refill those bait piles. And um, essentially they're just the barrels, polymer barrels, plastic barrels um, with little holes cut in the sides, maybe in the tops. And the food would get dumped into these barrels. So it's not necessarily exposed. It's, it's in these barrels. And then you jam large logs or sticks into the holes, which is kind of an indicator, like a trigger. Uh, so, for example, there's there's not another animal in that area that can pull those logs out. And, you know, if the logs are removed, a bear got in there and, gotcha. and pulled the food out. So um, you also hang a beaver from the tree. And depending upon the, the carcass, for example, if, if some of the carcass is still there, maybe some crows got to it. But if, if the carcass is gone completely, it was a bear. So um, that was that was how we prepped it. And we went in that first day. It was just near the end of shooting light on that first night. So our, our main goal on that first day was to just kind of refill the bait and check the status. Um, first thing we did was we walked up there slowly, kind of kind of crept in there to see if there's anything on the bait when we did it. Um, but there wasn't, uh, or maybe there was actually, a, uh, I'm trying to remember the, actually the details, but uh, we heard we heard something run off in the end. We're pretty sure it was a bear because the bait pile had been gotten to, the beaver was gone, um, and there was a couple of fresh scats piles there and actually a really good size one which indicates big bear so that was a positive uh first uh, experience in that bait and other than the carrying all the heavy gear and heavy heavy food but it was so that was the first day pretty much awesome uh, yeah and then if we go on to <clears throat> day two set up and this was this was mother's day mind you so he's got a very very uh, generous and hunting accepting <laughs> better half. So, <laughs> so do I apparently, right? Uh, yeah. We're both, both lucky in that regards to be hunting bear on Mother's Day. So um, we get in there, uh, I'd say five hours before shooting light. And we, just, we do some more bait prep and get up into the tree stand. And within an hour, you know, a bruiser came running in and, uh, just really skittish, you know, not necessarily scared, but like nose were there 
you know, is looking up at us, checking us out, running over the bait pile, taking a couple bites, smelling the beaver, kind of going over there. And meanwhile, Ian and I are sitting there talking, like, is it, should we shoot this bear? It's, is it a good bear? And I don't, yeah, I, I have no judgment, right? I have no idea whether it's a good bear or not. And uh, he's like, oh, that's a good sized bear. It's, it's not a big bear. It's, not, it's a good sized bear. And I'm like, oh. and I'm finally, I'm just like, uh, would you shoot it? And he's like, yeah, I'd shoot it. Like, All right, good. <laughs> so, and I was like, well, I got a first bear down, one tag, you know, not a, not a big deal. Let's go ahead and do it. And uh, and uh, he gives me a nice broadside shot, looks up at me, looks back towards the beaver because he really wants the beaver, right? Doesn't really care that we're there, but he's just he's cautious of us being there. Gives me a nice broadside shot. And I, I put it probably a little further back than I wanted to. Um, and using my whitetail judgment, probably a little bit higher based upon the trajectory of my, my arrow. But uh, it was still a pretty good shot. I got it on film. Uh, awesome. I can share that with you. But it's uh, he ran about, I'd say, 50, 75 yards and stopped running. He didn't do his death moan, so he just stopped running. And so we waited a little bit. Um, that was that was pretty much how that all went down. It was very exciting. I got my uh, – I didn't know if I would or not. You know, you get the uh, – the anxious shakes, you know, when you hunt whitetail, right? When a big old bruiser steps out in front of your stand, you, you, I, I do anyways. I get the oh, shakes. Cause yeah, everybody does. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I warned Ian ahead of time. I was like, I might, I might shake. So just be prepared for that. I'm not nervous. I'm just super excited. Right. And uh, of course, as soon as I see that bear, I'm like shaking the tree stand. He's like laughing at me. It's like, <laughs> no laugh, man. <laughs> but uh, that was, that was pretty funny. Then, Got to calm down for about 30 minutes. I did stop shaking eventually, so that's good. And uh, then we did our, uh, our – there was actually a pretty decent blood trail, so we followed the blood trail, found the bear, and um, I won't lie to you, I was a little scared. You know, there's more bears in the area, and uh, all I had was my little my little bow there, so I'm not uh, feeling too confident. Yeah. <laughs> I get all the way up to about 15 feet from the bear, and I turned around to Ian. I was like, "Give me the gun," because he had a forty-four forty in his hand. And I was like, yeah, "Give me that. I want that. I'm gonna yeah. poke the bear." So that was uh, that was pretty much it at that point. Awesome. Yeah, that was that was gonna be my question. Obviously, you you brought up that you were that you were bow hunting, but then I've heard plenty of stories. I I think a, a long time back, even toward the beginning of our podcast, we had a couple guys from Canada on here to talk about some bear hunting and stuff, and they had they had brought up one of their recoveries where it was sketchy getting out just because of other bears in the area. So that was going to be my next question was yeah. if there are any, any crazy experiences trying to get them out or anything. So, yeah, yeah. It's always, um, you know, it's a new environment, right? You don't know what the perils are. And uh, so I'm taking a lot of my guidance from Ian. I think he was uh, razzing me a little bit, a couple of times. And he was like, all right, you're on, you're on watch out. I'm like, I gotta be watching out. What am I watching out for? <laughs> <laughs> So is it is it true up there like uh, and I, I can't remember if it's specific to to there or if it was just a, a one time thing but you're not allowed to take any kind of motorized vehicles or anything back in no, there no they were fine you could take uh, they call them quads up there okay. I was like four wheelers or ATVs <laughs> yeah but uh, yeah you could you could you could do that if you wanted this particular area was fenced in so we couldn't get an ATV in there but uh, okay. All right. I, I must have been talking to somebody that was area specific when I heard that a while back. I, I wish I could remember more, but okay. Very cool. Yeah. 
So was it just the one bear or because because you mentioned two tags, was there a second tag punched? Or? There was not. Um, we gave it a good try. Um, but I was honestly, I was happy with the bear that I got. And there's a lot of post work. The, the bear was, you know, 350 pounds ish, right? And trying to pull that thing out of there was, it took us, a bit, you know, an hour of hunting, hour of, uh, you know, finding it and and, and uh, taking some pictures and then about an hour to get it out of there. So it was about a three hour hunt and a third of that was just pulling the bear. So, uh, and then of course, when you get home, you've got to skin it, cape it, and then we boiled the boiled the skull. And I'll, I'll get into all that in more detail if, if we want to, but uh, a lot a lot goes into it. You know, there's just like any hunt, right? Once you shoot a deer, like now the work begins, right? Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're free to go ahead and 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 dive into some of that too, because I'm I'm definitely curious about because this coming from a guy who's never been bear hunting on my list, same as same as it was yours, you know, that's something I'm I'm very interested in. So tell me a little bit about the the post kill process there for for a bear. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So um, Ian is obviously an experienced bear hunter. He guided for a little bit uh, back in his younger days, and uh, so he knew a lot about it. And he actually had done some some filmography for, uh, for hunts in the past. So he was really good about, we, we pulled the bear out, got a uh, position, took a lot of photos, uh, did a couple team photos together. He was really good about that. Like he's, he's got some skills on that, on that end. And, um, then of course, at that point we strap, um, a couple, just one strap and kind of loop it around both of his uh, rear paws. And, and, uh, we came up with this system where, ran a log through the middle of it and kind of like, uh, like oxen, right. We, we pulled the bear out of there together, okay. uh, meet our, our elbows and, and it was mostly uphill until we got to a little cut and then there was downhill from there. Um, uh, then of course, loading it in the truck, getting a 350 pound flimsy bear in the back of the truck was, was difficult, right. You know, I'd be trying to load a, a deer in the back of the truck is hard enough. And this thing was very difficult. Um, and that was just, that was pretty much standard, right? You know, waited for the bear to be, uh, to, to expire and, and then take our photos and then, and then drag it out of there and throw it in the back of the truck. Um, we did tag it. Of course, the tag is uh, a physical tag. Not a lot of States do that anymore. It's digital, right? Or maybe it's some kind of thing you put around the antler or whatever else. But this was a, a little hide tag that you got to puncture through the hide and stick it on there. Of course you write your details on there. So it's all, it's all kosher. Um, but, they, they do have a digital tagging process, but it's not uh, it's not complete where you can take a picture and, and be done with it, right? So there's there's still that physical process of it. Um, when we got it home, still cold up there in Alberta, right? It was below freezing uh, throughout the night, so we just kept him in the back of the truck, um, paws down, kind of stretched out. You want it to where you can easily skin uh, down the elbow into the armpit. Um, and then across the chest and obviously down the straight of the chest. So essentially from the corners of the, the wrists on, on all the paws to the middle, to the, to the rain gut line uh, uh, seam, and then get up around the neck as much as you can uh, for, for the caping process. And uh, so we, we left it like that. And then we took it to another one of Ian's buddies who was a very experienced caper. Um, he could knock it out in about 20 minutes and, and I, I got some film of him doing that. He's really good at it, but that process was, and I've never done deer. I don't know if you have or not. Um, that was interesting to watch, you know, scoring 
the gums inside uh, the mouth and then working the neck back and then going deep in the eyes and around the ears. Um, it was very interesting to watch. At that point, they had a special way to fold it up. Um, typically, we had done, you, you fold, you lay it on this back and then you fold the paws over kind of like a, like a, like you're in a, like you're in a tomb or a casket, yeah. right? But no, um, it was more flat, like you, the paws wouldn't touch each other. So there was one here, one here, or one, one on the top of the chest, one below it. And then of course on the bottom half of the torso, the same thing, no, the paws weren't necessarily touching. And then just roll it up from the bottom into a nice little bundle, throw it in a paper bag, uh, put it in a trash bag after that, throw it in the freezer until you can get it to a taxidermist essentially. So awesome. So, yeah. so you're getting a rug? I'm, uh, I'm getting a half mount okay. with a, yeah, with a, with an Aspen background since that's where I got it, you know, kind of yeah. gives homage to the territory. So that's awesome. Yeah. Looking yeah. forward to seeing that when it's done for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I just told the wife today that I'm getting a half mount instead of the rug and she was, she was surprised, but okay with it. So. <laughs> well, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> so what was, what's the process like coming back? down here um did, did you bring any of the meat with you and and how did all that work well the meat is is one of those things um where they had just changed the law recently to where they, they don't necessarily discourage you from eating the meat but they, they changed the law where you don't have to take any of the meat and trichinosis is pretty bad up there so i kind of relied on ian and, and, and his and his buddies all of them that have done bear hunting obviously as i asked to whether they would keep any of the meat or not and they and they chose not to um, and, I, and as a good indicator, something I took as a sign, um, when I process a deer, I'll, I'll, I'll usually wear gloves, but sometimes I won't. Right. And Ian is, you know, he's a country boy. He's a good old country boy. Right. And when we were processing that bear, he put on gloves. So I was like, okay, that's a good sign that, uh, it's probably <laughs> need to take this seriously. And I've heard about trichinosis. I didn't want to get it. So, yeah. um, as much as I hate, you know, leaving that kind of bounty of, of meat and i hear it's delicious uh that's that's what uh the guidance was on that one and, and i'm fine with that that I'll, I'll take i'll win in rome you know i'll do yeah. what they want me to do so um in terms of the hide and the skull we did keep the skull and we boiled the skull essentially just boil it in a you know some kind of pot you normally would and, and then throw it in peroxide for you know a couple of days a few days actually and uh so that's that's normal on that scent but the uh the hide just take it out of the freezer, throw it into a Rubbermaid container, tape it shut, write my info on it in case it gets lost somewhere. That way it makes its way home. And then check it like you would any other bag, um, which is very interesting. I thought I would get, I thought that would be more touch and go. I've done a lot of flying in my life for my, for my work. And uh, I've never checked a hide before and there was no problems at all. So I just awesome. showed up at home when I got there. So. Yeah. <laughs> Man, that's, that's so, I always ask because for people who travel long distances or fly and then have to fly back with either a cape or meat or, or whatever it might be, I'm always curious, not because one day that could be me and I need to know how it works, but, um, ever since we had our veteran giveaway hunt last year, we brought Mark from California down to Texas to hunt whitetail. Like he's, he's a, he's a down to earth guy and, and he's there for venison like you know he's he's bringing it back with him and so that was very interesting he'd done it before so he knew what was going on but it's very interesting to watch that process with him going back home through tsa and everything with 
cooler stuff full of venison. Like one of them, he was even taken on as a carry on, I, I guess. And he was able, able to get away with that. Like he, he checked a couple, he had three bags. He checked two of them. And the third one, the lightest weighted one, he, he brought on as a carry on. He goes, yeah, that mean they ask, but he's, he, he told us, he said, they actually see stuff like this probably more than a lot of people think. So, yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. You know, it's, it's not like I'm flying back from Chicago or something like that. Right. It's flying back from Edmonton. So, right. Exactly. I'm familiar with that. Yeah. I was, I was super surprised. Um, I, as I went through customs, they asked, you know, what I was doing, the normal questions. And I was like, I, I have a high. Do I need to, do I need to, you know, claim that? And, uh, I'm good. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah. Just go. We'll go. Perfect. Right. <laughs> well, um, as, as a first time, you know, getting to accomplish your, your bear hunt and, you know, first time bear hunter and everything, is there any big pieces of advice you would offer to somebody, um, who is interested in or about to experience the, the same or similar thing? Yeah, that's a good question. And there's a few things. One, judging the quality of the bear like how big is it it's you know ian's been doing this quite a bit and first look we're like oh that's a you know it's a, that's an average size bear not a not a big bear it's an average size bear and uh and i i have no judgment either i, I have no idea how to gauge it um other than just glancing from what i did and turns out when we got our hands on it it was not an average bear it was a you know it's got a 19 a quarter inch skull it's a big bear you know and we're, we're very happy with it and uh so it, it, if, it, if it dries out, okay, it could be Pope and Young. So that, that tells you right there. We went from an average bear, maybe don't shoot it, to Pope and Young bear, right? Just just from the time we got on the ground. So that's that's one thing. So recommendation is to kind of look at the height of the bear at the, at the front shoulders, you know, and you see how it kind of matches up with something that you're familiar with. For example, the barrels, right? You know, you can say, okay, this bear is a couple inches under the barrel height. So based on that, I can kind of judge. Um, of course they've got other color bears and they were telling me a story of uh, one of their buddies they sent out hunting and said don't shoot the color bears you can only shoot the black bears but of course you know black bears are they have color phases right and they'll, they'll be white they'll be cinnamon uh, they'll be all these kind of different colors and they were actually joking when they told the buddy don't shoot the color bears just, just shoot the black bears and a couple color bears came by while, while he was up there and he didn't shoot them and when he told Ian after that that He'd pass on a few, you know, a blonde bear and a cinnamon bear. He was, he was like, oh, I was just joking, man. That was a great bear. You should shoot that bear. <laughs> he was completely upset. And uh, that's kind of a funny story. But uh, the, what's the other thing? Um, bait, that's a lot of work. Um, but it's not necessarily like we would do food plots here, you know, that you can't, you can't do food plots in Alberta for deer. Um but, you know, we start working on that now. You know, we've been working on it for a couple months already, and, and we will do it again, you know, throughout the year up until hunting season. Then we kind of shut it down and, and then hunt and then get back to it, right? It's kind of a year-long thing almost. And uh, now the baiting, they put it out a couple of weeks before, and the bears in the area could smell it. They have really good noses, just like you would expect, and, and found it found it post-haste. So hmm. that's a good thing. But it is a lot of work because that's – multiple barrels that you're hauling into the woods and uh, a lot of, a lot of food. You got to feed those bears a lot. So, yeah. Well, very good. 
Any, yeah. Anything else that we're missing before we carry on? Um, I'm sure I am. There's a, there's so many stories we had. It was <laughs> such a good time. <laughs> I had a blast. I'm still recovering a little bit, you know, just yeah. from the from the experience of it. So, um, no, but uh, that was that's pretty much it. It's good, good country, good people, beautiful, beautiful country, a lot of animals. Yeah. Um, you know, when you go on a hunt like that you, you kind of get a gauge as to what their deer population is. Cause we're always looking at that. We're always looking at deer population when we're driving, right? right. I'm driving the highway. I'm, I'm constantly turning my head left and right to see where the animals are. And up there, there's just, we're, there's about a 40 minute drive from, from the house to the bait. And we would never see less than 40 deer on that drive. Just really? tons of deer. So I moose a couple of times, saw some, saw some elk tracks and elk rubs, you know, there's just, gorgeous country and uh, amazing family that i got to spend some time with and i want to i want to thank them personally on this uh podcast for for the uh for the hospitality they, they treated me like one of theirs right off the bat one of the situations where you come in and they're like all right serve yourself this is this is your house now so don't ask for anything just just get it you know yeah <laughs> which is good so yeah that's about it awesome so thanks to them thank you for them for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, man, before I let you go, I want to, I want to turn just briefly turn our focus to, to whitetails for just a second. Cause I know, like I mentioned at the beginning, you've been on here before talking about your, your whitetail farm that you got going on out there in Kansas. Um, what, uh, what are we looking like for, for this upcoming, upcoming fall or, and what kind of, at this point in the year, I guess I should say, what kind of work are you doing out there? Oh uh, yeah. Uh, so my work started off with kind of manipulating the shape of my food plots a little bit. I wanted to create more of a V, um, more of a, a narrow V, like a 30 yard minimum uh, width and the, the nice little V that kind of hits the corners of my property. That way I can get more, I can attract more deer to kind of just hit that food plot trail and kind of cruise through just to see what's going on. Um, so just more, I guess, strategic positioning is one of the things we did. So cut down a lot of trees. And then I planted some uh, green cover seed, which is like a, a browse pressure release seed. It's um, it's meant to like produce a lot of forage, kind of rebuild the soil at the same time, which will be a nice precursor to my fall food plot, and it'll also feed the deer during this critical time. You know, when they're when they're growing their antlers or, or you know, birthing fawns. You know, so I'm trying to make sure I get a nice healthy herd. In terms of uh, volume, yeah, there's just there's still tons out there. I probably have more than I need at this point. I need to trim some does out of there. Um, but uh, I got some antlers coming in now, so I think in the next you know couple months we'll get to see what kind of quality we have coming through there on a regular basis. Of course, the rut will be, you know, we'll get some strangers coming through, but uh, now it's looking good. Um, I still I'm still running the cameras just because I like to keep an eye on it and, and see what's going on. You know, it's, it's a ways away. I know you probably do that on, on Texas dirt, right? You got some cameras going and still yeah. checking up things, even though it's off season. So, um, right now it's just, I'm a uh, year one on a five year plan that I'm trying to rephase this whole thing. So we'll, we'll see how it turns out. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Well, looking forward to it. I'm sure, I'm sure before fall, we'll, we'll have you back on here and might be talking some more white tails and some more, some more stuff like that kind of preseason and everything. And yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited too. You know, we're, 
we're heading into year two on our place and I'm, I'm, I got big plans. I'm in the middle of a move right now, so I haven't been able to make it out there, but I, I just sent Nick a text today actually saying when I want to go out there and do some work. So hopefully coming up soon, we'll be ramping up season two of that Texas Dirt series and uh, have some more, some more fun stuff coming. Looking yeah. Forward to yeah. It, so. That was a great first year. I loved it. Um, I can't wait. Yeah. Can't wait for yeah, we're we're definitely looking at more more sets. I know viewers probably got tired of watching me wearing out the same <laughs> spots over and over again, but just with the late start we had, that's kind of what we had to work with. But um, this year, definitely our focus is taking full advantage of of 800 acres, you know, and mm. and really spreading out a lot more and and getting some more quality stuff out there. So yeah, yeah, I'll get there. Baby steps. I'll Absolutely. Yep, that's a process. <laughs> yep, exactly. Well, Tyler, thank you, man, for coming on and recapping your your bear hunt. Sounds like an awesome trip, and I I can tell you're you're still excited about it. You know, coming back from that, so and that rightfully so. But appreciate you coming back on to to share that story with us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Absolutely. For our listeners and viewers, if you guys haven't already, hit that follow and or subscribe button on whatever podcast platform you may be uh, listening or watching on. We're on all major podcast platforms as well as our website, fallobsession.com, our YouTube channel, and uh, if we're not on there already at the time this episode is airing, coming soon to uh, Waypoint TV as well, which is a a hunting and outdoor streaming service, so um, be sure you go check out that app. On that YouTube channel, excuse me, YouTube channel, subscribe, that way you you see all of our videos that we roll out and um, the Texas Dirt Series and a bunch of other stuff we're working on, like I just mentioned, are are coming to that YouTube channel, so be sure your notifications are turned on. FallObsession.com, that's the hub, that's the website you guys can go to to see all of our content, all of our different uh, video series are on there, educational articles, several of which are written by Tyler, Um, he's got several on there uh, over... Uh, land management and stuff like that as well so be sure you go check those out gear reviews um, recipes you you name it we literally cover hundreds of different topics on that website so head on over there explore around see what we got head on over to our online store support a a small hunting brand pick you up a hat and a t-shirt we got some new spring designs out right now Um, so and if you want to go get a few dollars off go listen to podcast episode number 101 Um, we give you a discount code in that episode where you guys can save some money as well facebook instagram and twitter social medias be sure you follow and subscribe we're also on go wild app which is a censorship free app for hunters and outdoorsmen be sure you go check that out as well and if you are just listening to the audio and you want to catch the podcast video a couple days after uh after we drop the audio on the podcast apps, um, the video will be on the YouTube channel, so go check it out. Uh, finally, almost forgot, Ridge Rock Hunt Company. They're our podcast partner. Um, Derek and Lacey over there in Mississippi, they're very good friends of ours. Enjoyed getting to know them more and more these past couple years. They book hunts. Um, they have a, a wide network of vetted outfitters across North America um, that they send their hunters to. These are outfitters that Derek has hunted with himself or somebody he knows and trusts very well has hunted with. Um, so he guarantees a good experience and he'll work with you to find what you're looking for, where you want to go, and something that's in your budget. So um, be sure you head over there, Ridge Rock Hunt Company. Check them out on their website and on social media. Tyler, thanks again, man. I appreciate it. Thanks, Sam. Good talking to you. Absolutely. Good to catch up. We'll do it again soon. Thank you.
For our listeners, thank you all for listening, and we'll be back with you again next week for another Fall Obsession podcast episode.